Welcome to the Jabadoo Education Podcast, Episode 16. What I was doing when I was doing research to write the article, I found out that there's a lot of things that teachers are not aware that they're doing in the classroom that kind of contributes to, you know, um, gender stereotype, gender prejudice, gender identity differences, and things like that. You're listening to the Jabadoo Education Podcast. I'm your host, John Ruths, and I'm going to introduce you to some of the leading professionals in the fields of education, psychology, and leadership to bring you the most relevant and up-to-date tips, tricks, and tools for you to use in your classroom. Welcome to Jabadoo. Hey, what is going on, teachers and educators? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Jabadoo Education Podcast. Ah, man, great episode today. I sit down with Dr. Kieran Duagbo. Uh, And if you can't tell from the name, she is actually uh, of Nigerian descent. Uh, She grew up in Nigeria and and went through the Nigerian uh, schooling system. Uh, And she talks about that in our interview today. And uh, the reason I reached out to her is um, I actually, and I think I say this in the episode, but I'll tell you now, I subscribe to the ASCD newsletter email um, that comes in, uh, I think it's once a week. And she had an article uh, published by ASCD that uh, spoke to me, and uh, largely because I think uh, it's something where I can improve on, right? It's something that I can do better with, Uh, and it's this notion of gender biases. And I I know I've said it before, but I've really gone down this rabbit hole of uh, figuring out some of my own biases, right, and trying to acknowledge them and work around them and work through them. Uh, and she does a great job of, of laying out some of these gender role uh, biases that we put onto our students subconsciously, right? It's, it's something that um, we don't do on purpose, but it's something to be aware of. And it's, again, it's one of those biases, biases just being something that you really aren't aware of, right? Um, and anyway, we, we dive into a good bit of uh, some of her new research, being a new professor, uh, what she's working on and what she's working towards. Uh, And it's really just a a great conversation. So, as always, our show notes can be found uh, if you go to jabadoo.com slash show16, S-H-O-W-1-6. Yeah, you're going to get everything that we talk about, any of the links or documents or anything that is mentioned, you can find there, uh, as well as an audio player if you're listening to this somewhere else. And for whatever reason, you want to go listen to it on the show notes page, got an audio player there, too. Uh, Yeah, so go check out the show notes. Uh, Would love to have you join our Facebook group. Check us out, facebook.com slash groups slash Jabadoo. Uh, Really uh, trying to grow that group so we can just continue this discussion of uh, using evidence-based practices from research in our education and in our teaching strategies, right? Uh, And last but not least, I now am starting a newsletter. Uh, I've been doing it for a couple weeks now. Just letting you know what what the next episode is and and some of the highlights from it and some other ways that you can connect with uh, me and with Jabadoo. So uh, go sign up for that newsletter. You can find that on our homepage, jabadoo.com. All right, let's get into it with Dr. Kieran Duagbo. All right, today on the Jabadoo Education Podcast, we have Dr. Kieran Duagbo. Uh, she is. Uh, she has taught elementary school, uh, special education, secondary education. She was a principal for a uh, kindergarten through eighth grade school for a number of years, and she has now migrated to upper education at the collegiate level. Uh, starting, you're just uh, beginning your career here at the collegiate level for for a few years out at. Oh, where is it written down? Where are you at, Colorado? I know that. 
Colorado, Adam State. Adam State, there it is. That's right. <laughs> Adam State University. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. How are you doing? Doing fine. Thank you. Yeah, excellent. We we were talking kind of beforehand that and you know, you're you're kind of early into your I was going to say collegiate career, but po- po- your, your second collegiate career <laughs> as That's far as being a teacher and just migrating the, the COVID-19 crisis and teaching online has been quite the learning curve, huh? That's right. It's been a challenge. Um, yeah, for, for everyone, for sure. But all right. keeping, keeping the spirits up, I can tell, you know, just chatting with you before we hit record, uh, you've got such a positive attitude about it. And um, this is going to be a fun conversation. So why don't you just start uh, from the beginning um, what was your uh, schooling experience? You know, maybe what were some of the teachers that had an effect on you and how did you end up doing what you're doing today? Okay, I'll begin with my elementary and um, secondary school, high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I completed my elementary and secondary school in Nigeria, I had a very positive, you know, um, experience with education. And I swear my love for teaching started because actually I was making good grades. So if I make good grade, I like, you know, going to school. And my dad was so very proud of me. When I come home at the end of the micro period, I'm bringing my report card, he checks it, and the grades are excellent. So he's very proud of me. So, but, and also uh, back then in Nigeria, we used uh, the tracking system or, yeah, uh, ability grouping. Okay. So we have the first 40 students will be in the A group and the second 40 will be in the B group. And that's grouping is based on your performance. Mm-hmm. So I happen to be always in the A group. And among the A group, I was among the first between the third and the second student in the group. So I enjoyed it. You know, we yeah. are the elites of the school. You know, we mm-hmm. are the A group and I enjoy group. And I look up to my teachers, especially my principal in high school that always tells, you know, encourages us to read and read and read and read. And Mm -hmm. I love reading novels. So I enjoyed it. And that's, you know, where my interest in school uh, started. Mm -hmm. Then I finished my elementary and secondary school. And I had a break for three years because I went to the convent to have training to become a nun. After three years, I had a training. I became a Catholic nun. And then I was sent to Germany. Because in the convent, they realized, you know, they noticed my um, interest in teaching. So mm-hmm. I was sent to Germany to study kindergarten education. And when I get to kindergarten, everything changed. <laughs> my love for school and learning become, I wasn't so much interested anymore. And that is because, you know, um, being in Germany, I've not been out of Nigeria before getting to Germany. Mm-hmm. And I don't speak the language, the German language. So because of my German limited proficiency, I had a hard time uh, interacting with my classmates and joining them in small group activity, which the professors always use. Uh, I realized or I felt like they don't want me to be in the group because, Mm. you know, I look different. I don't understand the language. And so that made me hate small group activity. And I didn't have that much joy and interest in going to school, but I was a little bit older. I finished high school, so I know I needed a degree and I have to continue, but it wasn't fun anymore. Hmm. And um, I hated small group activities. Then after a couple of years, I was sent again to America. And when I get to America, I have to start again. 
and I decided, okay, I'm not doing kindergarten education anymore. I'm going to do special ed. So I enrolled in special ed. And once again, I'm the different one in the group. I was the only black student and on top of it, I wear habit, I'm a nun. And so the student doesn't want me in the group again. So I was excluded and rejected. I can't <laughs> join small group activity. And so my hatred for small group activity continued to get yeah, larger sure. and larger and larger. And anytime we're giving anything like small group activity, I'll request if I could just do it by myself because I didn't want to feel rejected anymore. Yeah. But I continued. I was able to handle it kind of because, like I said, I'm maturing, I'm getting older. I know you can't quit school, even though you hate the small group activity, but you still need to continue. You want to be a teacher. That has yeah. always been my dream. And I stuck to it and finished my bachelor's and then in special education. And then I began, you know, became a special ed teacher. And uh, I taught special ed for five years. I loved it. When I moved in there, I thought I'm going to move mountains, you know, change yeah. lives because in theory, I feel so empathetic with, you know, the disability that all these students have. And I went in there with, you know, great zeal to make changes, to move mountains. Sure. But yeah. when I got there, I realized, hmm, that's not going to happen. So uh, I taught special ed for five years and I'm like, okay, now I'm, I'm getting burnt out. I need to change. Mm -hmm. So I moved back to Catholic education and that's where I stayed. I started my master's and my doctorate. And um, when I completed my doctorate, I realized I have achieved my dream. You know, that's it. I got to the, you know, the top area now. So that's how I ended up where I am. I love teaching. And um, yeah, it definitely seems like it's just, it's, it's absolutely part of you from the beginning of just enjoying school and being able to do well with school and just loving learning and reading. It just, it's a seamless transition to uh, hop into education. And what you said about uh, when you went into special education and you came out wanting to move mountains and make change and, and make a difference for all these students, I think that's definitely something that so many teachers resonate with, right? Is, right. is you come out, especially coming out as a first year teacher, you've learned all of the new stuff that's happening, right? You get the fresh information right out of college, and then you jump into a school system that is a few years behind. And that can sometimes feel kind of frustrating. And there's, there's these deep ruts within the system that this is the way that we've been doing it. And the information that you've learned is counter to that uh, you know, to that pattern or whatever it is, and it can definitely get frustrating. And unfortunately, the the burnout rate for new teachers is is very very high. So, um, th- but it's it's great that you were able to say, you know what, this wasn't the position, but I still love education. I need to find where I fit within that education world. Um, so that's so cool. So you went back and you got your your doctorate. And uh, w- so when you were you were a principal though for a few years, right? So was that before or after you got your doctorate? I was a principal while doing completing coursework for my doctorate. So okay. I was running a college school and I was still taking the courses part-time for my doctorate. So up until I completed my doctorate, I was a principal. A principal. And yeah. what would you say was the best and worst thing about coming from the classroom and moving into administration? The paperwork. I don't like the office work, <laughs> administrative work. It keeps you away from the kids. You know, and everything is on your head. You have to make a lot of decisions. You have to, you know, plan. You never get to meet or interact with the children. 
you know, I went into teaching because I love to work with kids and interact mm-hmm. with them and it gives me joy. So when I went into administration, I realized that more than 80% of my time is spent in the office doing paperwork. And when I interact with the kids, it's just minimal time. So I didn't like it. I didn't like the administrative part of administration. So I decided to go back to teaching the classroom. And when I left administration, actually, I went down to second grade and I enjoyed it before I completed my doctorate and decided to try college teaching here. Yeah, that's what you were saying before, again, before we hit record, is that you were a principal, you've made it to the top, and then you chose to go back to second grade. And so many people are going, what are you doing? That is right. (laughs) But I am right there with you. I don't, I just, I... I don't think I would enjoy uh, an administrative position. And I know that there are plenty of people who are going to enjoy it more and do it better than I would ever do it. So I, I definitely see myself sticking sticking in the classroom for a long, long time. Um, but moving now into, uh, you got your PhD and now uh, you've moved from, you were in New York and you were in New Jersey and now you are all the way out in my old stomping ground. I don't think I mentioned that. I lived in Colorado for three years. Oh, I taught, right. I taught up north of Denver for three years. Um, so you're out there and, and you're making a difference now at the collegiate level. Um, and the reason we actually connected was you had an article that you published in the ASCD, um, newsletter that I actually subscribed to. And I read and I said, this, this is just a a great article and I would love to have a further conversation about it. And it's much more in line with what, uh, you are working on a little more in depth now, right? Right. And that article was titled, I wrote it down here, How Gender Disparities Affect Classroom Learning. Um, And that's kind of what uh, a lot of your interest now at the collegiate level is kind of surrounding, um, you know, research in diversity and equity and inclusion, right? That's right. Right. So Mm -hmm. um, why don't you just tell us a little bit about that article? I'll link to it in our show notes so so people can go read it. But um, it's a it was a great article about this notion of um, gender uh, identities within classroom, because for years and years and years, the this um, the idea that sex and gender were synonymous. Right. They were the same thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's that's shifting. Right. So. why don't you just start with, first of all, what got you interested in uh, talking and researching about uh, gender differences in the classroom? Well, I, I, I'll kind of say I've, I've always had an interest in anything to do with gender. Okay. And uh, my interest is that I felt like in a society and many places, you know, um, women, girls are often discriminated and uh, denied certain rights. So I felt like, okay, when I did my dissertation in, um, at a doctorate level, the focus of my dissertation was on gender equity, and uh, I narrowed it down to black women. So I like to write about you know, women in general mm-hmm. and girls in general, but my dissertation focused on women, uh, faculty of color in, um, you know, in a higher education. So after writing that, I was so interested. I wanted to see how more, if there's anything that could be done you know, to improve you know, um, women's, um, you know, situation either in higher education or anywhere at job places. So I'm interested, once you mention anything that has to do with gender and diversity, maybe because I'm a woman and maybe because I'm a woman of color, I love to write in that area. So I decided that that's where I'm going to be focusing my research area on. And then I was trying to write an article, you know, this is my first article, I'll say, after my doctorate. 
Yeah. I, I did my dissertation. I wrote a book chapter on online education, but this is my first article. So when I saw it, I used to subscribe to ASCD when I was teaching mm-hmm. in Chicago. So I went to their website and I saw this, uh, you know, um, call for article on gender and schools. I'm like, oh, great. I'm going to write. I, I, so, ding, ding, ding. I, I know how to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so that's how I got, you know, I got interested. And actually, I didn't pay attention to the details of the article because in my head, I was going to talk about girls and women only. Mm-hmm. So I was going to talk about two gender, male, female, and that's what we're used to. But then when I started the article and I read the requirement, I'm like, oh, God, no, this is not only about male, female. It's about all-inclusive gender. So I decided, well, I'm an educator, and I believe you know, inclusion, and I believe in everybody having a, equity for all. So I decided to write the article. And um, what I was doing, when I was doing research to write the article, I found out that there's a lot of things that teachers are not aware that they're doing in the classroom that kind of contributes to, you know, um, gender stereotype, gender prejudice, gender identity differences and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I had fun, you know, writing the article. I decided to see if I can have some practical or come up with some practical ideas that will help teachers in the classroom because, like I said, at the article, socialization began in the elementary, the lower grade. And if teachers are aware how we socialize as students, you know, and the role that they play, maybe, um, you know, they could do something to make sure that all these gender issues that we began in the lower grade. Right. So why don't we, why don't we just start with what is, what would be your definition of like gender stereotypes or gender bias? Uh, gender stereotype, I would say, for example, uh, in terms of education, when we try to put, you know, say that there are certain things that girls should do and boys shouldn't do, and there are certain things that boys should do and girls shouldn't do. Like I'll begin with, uh, in the elementary grade level, teachers, you know, oftentimes unconsciously, you know, um, contribute to that gender stereotype when they tell girls to line up, you know, there's a girl's line, there's a boy's line, and then they don't allow girls to play with certain toys because it's boys' toys, and boys cannot play, you know, dress up or things with certain toys because they are girls' toys. So there's a, you know, stereotyping, you know, and then sometimes also when, um, when we use the word kind of, uh, how would I call it, we address the students as boys and girls instead mm-hmm. of using things like student, scholar, or, you know, friends. Mm-hmm. So these are stereotyping. And I'm narrowing my gender stereotyping to, you know, the classroom because outside the classroom or the school system, there's other different ways that we could stereotype people uh, by gender. Yeah, definitely. And I think we are, like a lot of the things that uh, we talk about on this podcast, we're it seems like we're kind of in the beginning stages of truly understanding one, the, the effects of gender stereotypes and then uh, two, just how we can be better teachers in identifying um, or, or not necessarily, I guess, identifying, but just in general addressing students uh, to make sure that, you know, I, I don't think that there's too many teachers out there who really want to promote st- those stereotypes. Right. I don't think there's too many teachers who actually say, yeah, I think only boys should do this and only girls should do this. Right. I think 
for the most part, that's that's behind us in, in terms of our thinking, but it's some of those underlying behaviors that we do is kind of what you're saying in, in that article anyway. It's it's some of the things that we do subconsciously that we don't really realize we are still uh, pushing those gender stereotypes. That's exactly what I'm saying. So teachers, you know, uh, contribute but you know unconsciously they they don't do it consciously just like you said you know like sometimes i did it myself when i was teaching middle school if i needed help there are certain things i'll say no 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 these are for boys you know the girls who say but i want to help i want to do that no these are for boys i don't have any you know i didn't know i was stereotyping there but for me that's the way we are socializing in society there are certain things that boys should do and certain things that girls should do. So the girls kind of feel like, I don't like what I said, no, it's not for you, it's for boys. And the boys will be like, oh, okay. And there are certain things the boys will like to do. And I say, no, this is not what you can do, it's for girls. And if we're having a role play, I, I unintentionally assign girls' role, although I decide what role girls should play and what role boys should play, I don't let them choose because, you know, that's you know, what we, we felt like, okay, this is a role for right. girls. This is a role for boys, yeah, so. Yeah, and I, I mean, just the, the conversation around uh, gender, <clears throat> excuse me, gender stereotypes and even moving into uh, transgender students or non-binary students um, has, it, it still has some, uh, oh, we, we can't talk about that yet, um, like feeling to it, you know, amongst people, you know, like in general, right? Um, yeah. It's still, I guess, a taboo subject. It's getting better, <laughs> I would hey. say. Um, so it's, it's definitely a journey that uh, we're going through, not just in the education world, but in uh, our society as, as a whole. Yeah, I think in the education world, the higher education is doing a much better job, maybe because they're adult. It's easier to talk about it in the higher education setting. Uh, I just recall we had an equity uh, institute that, you know, centered on gender, transgender and things like that. So it's easier because we're adults and we have the freedom and no parents is going to come, you know, to, you know, question you or whatever at a higher education to talk about such issues, even though you are also conscious and very sensitive the way you address it. But in the K-12 world, it's kind of very sensitive and you still have parents yeah, who would come in and say, I don't want my child to be taught such things. And so it's very new, not very new, but it's a very sensitive topic, you know, to talk about in the K-12 setting uh, right now. But things are improving, I hope, you know. Personally, for me, it was a sensitive. I have to grow with it because... From my religious background, is something that, you know, I would say, okay, and I'm kind of believing that it's, you know, it's kind of wrong or something. But with my exposure and knowledge in higher education, I'm kind of open, you know, to talk about it and then to see things at least from their own perspective. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And uh, I think even having your perspective of, um, you know, your, your religious uh, background, gives you a, a pretty unique perspective into that because typically, you know, again, I'm, I'm promoting a stereotype maybe, but people who are of faith tend to be a little more against homosexuality and transgender and fluid gender and um, some of these things. So I want to say thank you <laughs> just as, as somebody of faith who's also promoting, you know, it's, it's good to talk about these things. It's good to promote equity for all uh, within that. So thank you for being a leader 
uh, in that right. as well, as coming from somebody who is also uh, of faith. Um, that's that's very cool to see. So um, just shifting, I guess, a little bit, um, what would be something, um, you know, maybe looking more at K to 12, right? What are some ways outside of maybe you already mentioned like addressing students as friends, uh, which I think probably goes over a little bit easier in the elementary level than maybe it does in, in middle school and high school. Students tend to <laughs> maybe not want to be friends with teachers, but uh, what, what are some things that we really should be focusing on and being aware of uh, to make sure that we are not promoting these gender stereotypes? Okay, uh, I'll say for the friends, boys, boys and girls are only being used in a K-12 setting, actually in the elementary setting. You don't use boys and girls in the high school, and uh, oftentimes you don't use it in college. You address students by their name or you say guys. So that's the boys and girls is just for elementary school. But um, other things that teachers can do, you know, in elementary um, grades, it's, you know, uh, the, the administrators have to buy into getting, um, you know, um, professional development and training for teachers. Mm. Because I think a lot of teachers do not have uh, good uh, knowledge about this. We're talking about LGBTQ we have to get more knowledge. And when you learn and read more about them, then you'll be able to understand. Well, not totally understand, but at least you'll be able to empathize, you know, mm -hmm. try to see that, you know, everyone has a right, regardless of their gender identity or gender expression. We are all human beings and we are made, I believe, uh, in the image and likeness of God, regardless whether we are transgender or whatever. So at least you begin to accept them as human beings. So the, um, it, uh, the teachers have to uh, engage in professional development and trainings that will make them help them to learn more about this group of people and also help them to be aware of their own biases. Every as human being, we all have biases. And if sometimes we are not aware of our biases. So if teachers are aware of their biases, then it will help them to you know, um, make sure that their, their classrooms are, I would say, gender friendly or culture friendly and sure like yeah and it, it definitely does um you know there if you are focused on being more equitable and being more open to other things like um race and and culture naturally you're going to tend to a lot of those things i'm sure cross over right and some of those skills but i i love what you said and it's become one of my uh favorite terms is is biases right coming in and, and trying to identify some of the things that we believe fundamentally that are preventing us from uh, creating lasting relationships with students and, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. But um, yeah, definitely the, the notion of biases has, has become one, something that I've been more and more fascinated with. And you said something earlier too about we, we don't know, like we haven't been exposed, I guess, long enough to start to know this population well um and you you i forget who said it but you fear what you do not know that's right right mm -hmm. um so yeah I, I love getting getting some more uh professional development um around this subject and really that doesn't need to be the principal leading the way on that either you know that can be the teachers doing that so um where would you say teachers should start in terms of looking for just uh, becoming more informed about uh, gender stereotypes and gender biases? There are a lot of information out there online. Oh, I'm you sure. You just have <laughs> to Google them up 
And then there are a lot of institutions that offer kind of institute. I did a whole semester institute on equity, diversity, gender, religion, and things like that. So there's a lot of them that offer those things online. You just have to research out. And one of the best one, the one I attended this summer, and I love it. Let me see, what is it called? The Sums. I put the name somewhere in the... It's called Equity Institute, and it's online, so teachers could reach out to such ones, and then uh, they could uh, get information. Yeah, the name is the Sams Online Equity Institute, and it's an organization for educators. It deals with differences, you know, different issues such as gender, race, sexual orientation, religion, culture, disability. All these things are tied together. So when right. you get the sum the equity institute is meant for educators that's one of the ones you know i've attended and if you just google research you'll find a lot of you know uh, pd um, opportunities online too and i mentioned the administrators uh should uh, you know do something at the beginning because they are the ones who often organize required uh, professional development for teachers so they could uh, you know um get some ideas from teachers if uh, what they want to you know um, the topic of the pd to be and they could contract out with you know institutions or companies that offer this uh, professional development and then get the one that focuses on diversity i think that's a very important you know uh issue for teachers to be well aware now in a society diversity race culture gender sexual orientation yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's all part of the same world right right mm-hmm. I also forgot to mention the easiest place to go for these resources is the universities, the local, mm. state, private universities, because a lot, a lot of them have information, knowledge, and they could they normally give professional development. So that's the easiest way. You don't have to pay much. Like when you look for the institution and you contract the universities, the Department of Education. They will be willing. I know my department is willing. They will be willing to come to great schools and often you know, give some professional development hours on these topics. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Shifting one more time before we wrap up, because I know you've got a class that you're trying to run off to, but uh, what is some of the current work that you're working on that you're really excited about that you want to share? I'm currently working on an article that I would like to hopefully publish next year, but it has to do with... Uh, pre-service teachers. Um, uh, my article is on reflection. You know, uh, in a teaching profession, we are always told that reflection, reflection is very, very important. Mm-hmm. If you don't reflect on what you do and how you teach and students learning, then there will be no improvement. And if you don't improve your teaching, you know, your students are kind of not learning. So my article that I'm trying to write now, uh, we are experiment. Well, not experiment. We have a lab school in my department that uh, we send our senior block students to go and do a full day field experience hour uh, when they get to senior block. So I'm following this group of students, the first one, and they have to write a weekly reflection about their observation and how uh, the theory that they're doing in the classroom is being practiced in the field and uh, you know in the K to twelve setting. So. My article that is going to come up is to see if these reflective uh, practices influence their um, you know, perception of the profession, if it helps them grow, if it affects their self-esteem and self-assessment when they get out. And so uh, that's kind of, it's still you know, in the making. That's kind of where my article is going. Yeah. yeah. I think what journaling and, and just 
reflecting on your day, what it does is it keeps the important things front of mind, right? When you go and you buy a new car, all of a sudden you see that car everywhere because it's front of mind. Right. That's that's really what journaling does and reflecting does is it keeps those things, uh, you know, just on on the tip of your brain and on the tip of your tongue uh, so that you can continue to uh, be mindful of them throughout your day. Yeah, and for, and for teachers, it helps you to reflect. At the end of the day, if you've been in the classroom, you reflect. What happened today? What went wrong? What was right? Or what mistake did I make? How can I improve? You know, th- those things help you, you know, do well in your profession and help your students you know, perform better. Because if you reflect, then you realize maybe there are certain things you did that you shouldn't have done that way. And the next day, you try to improve it. Or maybe this teaching strategy that you use was not effective. Next day, you try to change it or improve it and things like that. Yeah, yeah, excellent. And there's also, there's a decompression to that as well. Just somehow taking the time to reflect on it kind of lets it leave your body. <laughs> like That leave, is right. You know, get the stress off of you, uh, which is mm-hmm. certainly needed in the education world too. So uh, I'm excited to read that article when you publish that as well. That'll be okay. great. Okay, thank you. Excellent. Yeah, so um, let's then move into our final section of our podcast, uh, which I call our exit ticket questions. These are the same four questions that I ask everyone who comes on the podcast. And as always, I will link all of your answers and everything else that we talked about on our show notes page. So are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay, of course. (laughs) Question number one, uh, what book recommendation do you have that you think all teachers should read? I have one that I'm currently you know, reading. I just got it and uh, I read a few pages and I like it. And it's called uh, Race and Gender in the Classroom okay. by uh, Laurie Cooper Stoll. And I like this book because it explores the paradox of you know, education, race, and gender. And it talks about how teachers who care about their students are unaware about how their words and behavior perpetuate, you know, the narrative about race and gender in our society. Mm. So I, I think, you know, when we, I, I talked about being aware or conscious of our biases. That's right. kind of, you know, this book is kind of talking about the same thing, being aware of how our words, you know, that we use for students, our behavior consciously, unconsciously perpetuate, you know, uh, gender discrimination, race discrimination, and things like that in the classroom. So that's why I like this book, you know, right. very well. And there's a second one, just in Perfect. case, this one I just got, is called uh, Men and the Classroom, Gender Imbalances in Teaching. It is by Shele Drudy. And, you know, the word gender imbalances. So when you read this one, this one is family, you know, it's popular what it's talking about, how, um, you know, men are seen, or boys, I would say, are seen to do very well in sciences, technology, mathematics. And, yeah, there's uh, some a big, teachers, big yeah. gender disparity there. Absolutely. Right. And then it seems like girls cannot do equally better in such subjects. So, you know, when teachers read about it, sometimes unconsciously, we perpetuate that idea in students by the way we talk to them and our behavior. Oh, come on, you are very good in language. Ah, that's for girls. You could be a language. Mm. And we encourage girls to go into those, you know, subjects and discourage them unconsciously from, you know, going into technology, going into sciences and whatever. And I think that contributes to the, you know, the reason why we have so very few uh, females in those uh, professions. 
even though discrimination is the major reason when they get there the ones that succeed in getting to that profession science and technology engineering they encounter a lot of discrimination just because of the agenda yeah and like you said this is not like i don't think there's too many teachers who say oh yeah i push these stereotypes it, but it's what yeah. we're doing subconsciously and and right. not really meaning to and that's why we're talking about it. we're saying it out loud and i just i i hear myself go oh i don't do that but again it's it's even though you think you might not be doing it you might still be doing it so those are two excellent choices thank you for sharing those oh you're welcome question number two is i know you already mentioned uh the uh equity institute uh from right. the Slums online uh did you have another uh resource that you wanted to recommend for teachers uh either hard copy or or another online thing to check out well, I tried uh, using what we call the uh, website, UNESCO.com. They talk a lot about gender issues, diversity issues, and what we can do to help. So if they could check the website for UNESCO.com UNESCO. yeah, or planbook.com, these have topics on, you know, on um, gender that it can help. But as I said before, your local university is a very good resource. Reach out. The teachers can reach out. And... From, I'm talking from my experience. In our department uh, for education or teacher, we call it department for teacher education because my students are all those who are going to be teachers K to 12 second. So we like it when you know teachers or you know administrator from K to 12 second reach out to us because we give the theory. And then you know we want to see people who do the practice. We prepare the students. So if you reach out, we have a lot. You know, Department of Education and so most local universities have a lot of teachers who have background in those you know um, areas that could be of very um, helpful to the classroom teachers in case to have Yeah, absolutely. Especially when uh, you you have a university within your school district there's so many opportunities to make those partnerships right. uh, and to get maybe some of those professors coming to the classroom and uh strengthen that relationship mm -hmm. between university research and classroom practice so i love that's that what suggestion. that's what we're doing currently we have a lab school and we work in collaboration with all these school districts around so they know us very well and okay. i'll say most uh, the teacher education department most professors there have already taught k to a second Yes. So there are all people who have been in K to 12 setting in the classroom and so they can understand and know what you're going through and know how to help. Yeah, <laughs> yeah fantastic. Yeah. Um, all right, question number three is what piece of advice would you like to give teachers, especially maybe those who are just starting out their careers? Because you've got experience from as a teacher, as a principal, and now as a professor. What piece of advice do you want to give? There's one advice I always know. I don't know if it's advice, but I always say this to um, um, senior block and then the new, when we get new students that are coming into the Department of mm -hmm. Education and on a welcoming day, I always tell them, the teaching profession is not a place where you go to get money or to get rich. Yeah. So it's all about passion for teaching, passion for the students. If you're going into the teaching profession to make money, then you are in the wrong profession. Yeah. When you go there, your goal is the teaching and is the student. And I always say that, that uh, you know, if you're a new teacher, a new teacher, or even a current teacher, you should always focus on improving your teaching and not on making making through the day. You're going to be yeah. frustrated. 
Yeah. If you just go there, okay, I'm going to wing it. You always have to be prepared. I tell, <laughs> I tell mm-hmm. my students, you always have to be prepared. The professional teaching profession is not where you go. Okay, I'm just going to make it, make through the day and get my paycheck and then I'm out of here. No, you have to have a passion for the, to, you know, what you do and for your students. So yeah. that's what I'll tell them. And the key for the new teachers, the key, the first day of school, Make sure you have your rules and routine established because once you have classroom management, then learning can take place. Yes. Without good classroom management, there will be no learning and you will be frustrated. Yeah. I've got a, I've got a buddy who's just starting out his first year. Uh, he, he toured the world actually for a bit and now he's coming back to the profession. And that was the first thing that I told him. And that was the first thing that somebody else told him was set your rules. Exactly. Rules. That's, that's the key. You can loosen up later, but if you uh-huh. lose them, then you've lost them for the whole year. So set your rows the first day and be consistent. Yes, I echo that 100. percent mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Very cool. And the last question then is: if anybody wants to reach out to you, where would be the best place to find you? Um, the best place would be to use my email. Uh, my email, the university email. I think I read that. I read that email 100 times a day because I, <laughs> I need to respond to my students. You need to, yeah. You know? <laughs> Yeah, I don't actually personally. I don't like you know students sending me email. Maybe they're doing assignment and they need a question or clarification, and I didn't respond. That's why I read it hundred times a day to see if there's anything. But I tell them 10 p.m. I'm no longer there. So if you send me <laughs> anything, you need you need a buffer, <laughs> right? If you send me anything after 10 p.m., I'm sorry, it's going to be attended to the next day. So my email k n-d-u-a-g-b-o at adams.edu is the best place to reach me fantastic and like i said everything that uh you just said and everything else that we talked about on this episode can be found on our show notes page uh so all right dr kieran duagbo thank you so much for joining us on the education podcast the jabadoo education podcast man i can't even say my own podcast name (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for your time i know you got to run off to a class so thank you All right. There you have it. And yeah, what a cool story she has, doesn't she? You know, from growing up in Nigeria to going to Germany for a few years to coming to the United States. And she said something there uh, about her experience in Germany that uh, we didn't really uh, dive into too much. But as I was going back and listening to it, I said, wow, what a statement that is, is that she enjoyed school all the way through, right? Because she was good at it, which makes sense. But she gets to Germany and all of a sudden she doesn't enjoy it anymore. And why was that? It was the language barrier, right? So that was just a side note to saying that we have these students who are ESL that uh, if they're struggling with school, it or struggling with enjoying school, it might just be that language barrier. And uh, you know, if we can help them through that, uh, that might just be the, the switch that they need to start enjoying school. Anyway, um, yeah, diving into uh, this notion of gender bias, right? Uh, I think, unfortunately... Uh, it it gets almost downgraded to being a, a topic of being politically correct, right? And that's just so unfortunate because it's so much more than that, right? It's not just about being politically correct. It's about making sure that we don't accidentally create limiting beliefs within our students based on their gender, right? We all know that kids absorb and internalize um, so much of what we say and do Uh, sometimes without, uh, maybe even most times without us even knowing it, right? And that's why it's so important that we reflect on our day, like uh, Dr. Kieran uh, recommends, that 
it allows by reflecting on our day uh, it allows us to check ourselves just to see if we are unintentionally pushing any of these unhealthy stereotypes so that's what I got out of this conversation uh, I hope you got something valuable out of it as always uh, show notes are found at jabadoo.com show 16 go check them out there we would love to have you join our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash Jabadoo, and subscribe to the newsletter right there on the homepage, jabadoo.com. And until next time, go teach. Thank you so much for listening to the Jabadoo Education Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more evidence-based strategies for improving your educational career, go ahead and click that subscribe button so you can get the next episode as soon as it is released. If you think this information was beneficial and you think more teachers should hear it, the greatest compliment you can give us is to share this episode with a colleague, either through a text message, email, or social media. And last but not least, if you think more teachers need to hear more of what we are talking about, please go leave us a five-star rating and review on your platform of choice, and that will simply let the algorithm know that you are finding value in this content, and it will help boost our show to the top of the list when people search for education shows. Thank you. I appreciate you. And I will see you on the next episode of the Jabadoo Education Podcast.